the fourth pick in the 2019 NBA draft goes to the Los Angeles Lakers. The third pick goes to the New York Knicks. <laughs> Welcome in to another edition of the Daily Knicks Podcast. I am your guy, Justin Cred, just for short. Thank you guys again for tuning in to another edition of the episode. And uh, you know you know what time it is about to be on the show? We are about to sit up here and just talk about the aftermath of the NBA draft lottery that took place, what it means for the Knicks, what it means for the Lakers, what it means for the Pelicans, break it all down to you know the finest of powders. So, yeah, sit back, relax, and just enjoy the rest of the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, with the third pick in the NBA draft, the selection will go to the New York Knicks. Now, obviously, the reason why this podcast wasn't put out immediately after was for a couple reasons. One, I was busy. (laughs) And the second and the most important reason was I wanted the temperature of the room to calm down. So I'll set the scene of where I was. So I went down to Midtown. I was at uh, the the pub that uh, if if you were checking out the ESPN um, telecast, they, they had Marty Lyons there doing a little showcase of, of the rest of the rest of the Knicks fans that were there. And it was great. You were with a lot of fans, did a lot of work, and we suffered somewhat together. Um, just like you saw on Zion's face, uh, making the top three was good, but it wasn't good enough. We didn't get the number one pick. However, the reaction of it, I would feel like the day of would be bad because, you know, you would want to get Zion. But ever since then, it's just been an apocalyptic viewpoint of what happened to the Knicks. Um, so just a couple things, I guess, just from the actual day of the draft. The Knicks are extremely lucky that they are in the top three. I mean, extremely lucky. There was a scenario where they could have been fifth. And if they were fifth, a lot of things would have went wrong for them coming out here knowing that they could not not only a get it a very strong impact player in a weak draft, but B didn't have the same compensation or in order to take on a massive contract for a guy who wants to be an all time great player like Anthony Davis. Um, and so looking at it just from the aspect of the pick that they got, it looks like it's going to be RJ Barrett. Obviously, Zion appears to go number one. A report came out from Jonathan Gavoni. I believe that's how I say his last name. I'm sorry if I butcher that. But it appears that the Memphis Grizzlies have already made the point of taking John Morant at number two, which leaves the Knicks with getting R.J. Barrett, if they like, at three. Now, you're going to hear a bunch of noise, a bunch of noise. It already came out today. 
before the draft, there was a report saying the Knicks were really infatuated with Cam Reddish. Today, there's a report now that the Knicks are very high on uh, our, uh, Jarrett Culver, the combo guard slash forward out of uh, Texas Tech, who was in the national championship game. You're going to hear a bunch of these names. They're taking R.J. Barrett. That's it. R.J. Barrett will be drafted by the Knicks June 20th. That is a fact. So despite on what you hear, all the other noise out there, it's going to come down to whether or not the Knicks are going to keep R.J. Barrett or potentially trade him in the Anthony Davis trade. Now, I want to talk about the Anthony Davis trade um, after, but some things that I like and some things that I don't like about R.J. Barrett. So obviously he went to Duke, played with Zion, and coming into the season, it was expected that he was going to be the number one overall pick and not Zion. Then Zion kind of shot past him, you know, pretty much maybe after the first two, three weeks of the college basketball season. And then RJ was really projected to go two after that point. But then John Morant kind of came out of nowhere to then usurp him to now push RJ down to three. Now, what's the kind of guy you're getting in RJ? It looks like you're getting a guy who can be an elite 20 point per game score in the NBA. Now, if you look at the list of guys who average 20 points a game this season, if you just go through the top scores in the NBA this year, it's not a lot. Top. The league is, is full of guys who are able to put the ball in the hole, but it's not necessarily always going to be the guys that you think. So this season, there were – okay – there were 20 guys this season who averaged 20 points. There were, if you want to potentially say Danilo, Danilo Gallinari averaged 19.8. Okay. Every single one of them was either an all-star player, close to an all-star player, or clearly an impact player in the league. So the list goes like this. I'll go from 20 to 1. It was LaMarcus Aldridge, Joel Embiid, Pascal Siakam, Karis LeVert. Now, Karis LeVert got hurt. Take it, take it with what you will. Uh, Jamal Murray, Kyrie Irving, Donovan Mitchell, Lou Williams, DeMar DeRozan, Russell Westbrook, Blake Griffin, CJ McCollum, Nikola Djokovic, Steph Curry, Antetokounmpo, Dame Lillard, Paul George, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant. Those are all the guys that scored over 20 points this year. So... All those guys are, like I said before, all-star caliber players are really good impact players. The key now for the Knicks is to see how are you going to mold him into an efficient player? Um, how is that he's going to be able to be able to score efficiently, especially within an NBA season or an NBA team? Um, he's a guy who... Clearly gets gets the hole. Very good in transition. Um, he's a guy that's able to penetrate dishes sometimes when he wants to, when he doesn't want to. You know, he's kind of herky jerky in that way. But he's a guy who's able to finish with his left hand. That's kind of why a lot of people like to compare him to a James Harden type. So I'll just read one of the breakdowns from The Ringer about what. Uh, R.J. Brinks. He's a good athlete in space with smooth footwork. He's a dangerous ball handler with long strides. He's an effective shooter off the dribbler, 
off the dribbler, off the dribble. He's a great rebounder. If you watch a lot of his highlight takes, a lot of his highlights are him getting the rebound and pushing the ball coast to coast. Now, if you remember what Coach Fisdale said in the beginning of the season, which is what I believe he wanted to do, he was able to get players, whoever it was, whether it was Kevin Knox, uh, whether it was Tim Hardaway when he was there, um, any of the guards, forwards, any of the guys with ball handling skills. He wanted them to crash the board, get the rebound, and push it. Easier way to score is the best way to play in transition, especially if you have a young athletic team. Now, obviously, he has a lot of issues. He takes a lot of contested shots, which is uh, not necessarily the best to see. He's not the greatest, greatest passer. He'll make passes when they look flashy, but he doesn't make the easy pass or what you like to see, the hockey pass, the pass for the pass. Um, but I love the way that he attacks, how he wants to be great. That's the biggest thing I see from him is the desire to be great. A lot of dudes come into the league and they're okay with just being first-round picks, top five picks, max or close to max contract players. This guy wants to be great, and that's something that you can definitely look forward to. So if you look at the season, not including free agency, just the base of the team, a team of a starting caliber point guard, whether you want to say that's Dennis Smith Jr., you want to put in Frank Nielakina, Mitchell Robinson at the five. The four and the three would be the in two interesting spots. Now, Knox's defense is less to be desired, so that team would pretty much be very bad on defense. And you would assume that a veteran-type player or a max contract player would take up that spot. The debate would be then, do you start RJ at the three or do you start Kevin Knox at the three? This is kind of the one thing that you can kind of see going forward if the Knicks do decide to not make a major trade, giving up a lot of their assets and just basically go through free agency, build the team and then make little smaller trades. It would at least appear that Knox is the guy who's obviously heard his name with some trade rumors. While he might necessarily go out and fetch a haul such as AD, he might go out and fetch for a smaller player who might be able to fit into the Knicks scheme who's closer to the age of the guys like Kyrie, Kevin Durant, if they do come to the team. RJ, to me right now, is a little bit better than Kevin Knox is. Um, Obviously, he's a rookie. We don't know what he'll be, but he projects to be a better scorer. The ceiling a lot of teams have for... um, RJ, I see a lot of alpha Andrew Wiggins. I've seen shades of James Harden. You see different things like that. Whereas the comparisons coming into the year for Kevin Knox last season was more of a Tobias Harris kind of player. And Tobias Harris is a good player, you know, close to an all-star, could have been an all-star last year. Um, But to get to the level of where you want to really win a championship, it appears that you would need a type of player like RJ to go forward as opposed to someone more like Kevin Knox. Now, this was great for the Knicks. Not only are you going to get a top three player in a draft where the best players only goes down to three, you're now able to keep developing your young guy, keep developing the rest of your young roster, and potentially maybe even flip that 
to get Anthony Davis. So now we can talk about the Anthony Davis part of this aspect. So the Pelicans won the draft. They now get Zion Williamson. I understand that Anthony Davis has requested to go out, has requested he wants to leave. He 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 has made it clear that he where his destination he wants to go. If I'm David Griffin or the rest of the Pelicans brass, you can't trade Anthony Davis right now. I understand there's always a risk when you play guys, when you have Anthony Davis, who has an injury history. He can break his leg tomorrow. Things can happen. However, if you have a team with R.J. Barrett, not R.J., I'm sorry, with Drew Holiday, Anthony Davis, Zion Williamson, it appears that Julius Randle will opt out of his contract. Um, And so that will free up some money. They'll free up some money. This is a deep free agency class. If they're able just to get one starting caliber wing player, that team can make the Western Conference Finals. That's a, going to be a good team. So if I'm David Griffin, I would at least showcase Davis what he can do with Zion Williamson. Because the thing is, is that the trades that are here now the only person that you potentially might lose out on might be the might be Boston because if they lose Kyrie. But even if they lose Kyrie, and let's say they draft their players and bring those guys in, then you could still potentially keep them around. Or you can even potentially, let's say it works, but Anthony Davis is stride, I am not staying. Then you can go to potentially a contending team to then build around them. Uh, Bleacher Report already put this out, but what if there was possibly a trade for, um, with Toronto? Let's say they keep Kawhi, and then understand you're getting him out of the conference, um, and you can potentially get someone like Siakam, OG and Nanobi, OG and Nanobi. You can take on Kyle Lowry's contract that only has one year left on it, and possibly get a few first round picks from it as well that to me seems like a team that is at least established stable and will give zion ability to work okay that's something that's there now obviously toronto can't make the trade now they're obviously still in the playoffs and all this other stuff they can't make the move now and obviously they don't know about Kawhi. but i keep him i don't i don't make a trade right now unless he's like hell he has to play there's no other leverage that Anthony Davis has. He's played his card, okay? And no matter what anyone else does, they can do it. The only issue I can see is that will come through is like, does Griffin want to deal with the questions every single day? Because the questions will come every single day. Davis will keep his demands, and Griffin and the team will still have to be like, are you changing your mind? Have you changed your mind? Do you still want to be here? Do you not want to be here? How many minutes are you going to play? Yada, yada. All these things, well, could lead to a distraction. But if if Griffin's able to just control the narrative saying, we are keeping Davis here, we are going to show him that we can build a contender. And if you get to the trade deadline and it just didn't work out, the trade now for the Knicks will still be there and the trade for the Lakers will still be there. And you can even open up for more trades when, you know, sort of rookies start playing more, you get more information, things like that. 
come come to be. So while I think that if you're going Knicks versus Lakers, those are the two teams right now that everyone seems to be talking about. I would include the Clippers in this as, as well. I believe it all depends kind of on what Griffin thinks of R.J. Barrett because player for player, the Lakers do have a, a, some more key players that they have. Now, I would argue that Mitchell Robinson is the best type of player to have of all the players currently being listed, but throughout Lonzo, Ingram, Kuzma project to be better players right now than the, who the Knicks have. So the first round picks are really the thing that's going to take the Knicks over the edge because they have more picks they can potentially give up, not just their own picks. But I think that either he's going to end up on the Knicks or they're going to wait it out and then he'll get traded in February because it's already been shown that Gail Benz, the guy who's the person who owns the the Lakers, owns the New Orleans, is not going to trade him to the Lakers. She's not. And it's just something that's going to be a part of this team and it's going to be something that's going to be a part of the fabric of the playoffs. Or not, I'm sorry, not just the playoffs, but the regular season next year and the draft for a while. Uh, so, yeah. So, I'll take a quick break and talk about how does RJ Bears game fit with the rest of the Knicks. All right. Thank you guys again for tuning in. So the draft is June 20th. And it's something that is not only just significant for the Knicks, but the league. Uh, How exactly will the Knicks season break down from here? So now that they know they have the third pick, it's already been reported that the Knicks will now have an extra $1.6 million in cap room, which is great. It's good to know. That's every little million dollar counts. It's also was reported now that the deadline for Lance Thomas's contract for one of the next wave cut stretch, whatever um, that date is also June 30th. It's basically the same day as free agency. That date is going to be important because of two reasons. A do the Knicks cut him before that date most people believe they will others can see potentially him being moved alongside for davis for cap reasons now it's only seven million dollars the knicks will have enough space to do it and they and the thing is that that contract becomes guaranteed so it's not as if you can trade him and that it gets complicated so let me go back for the Knicks to sign the two max, let's say it's Kyrie and KD, and then add Anthony Davis. They have to sign them first, then trade for Anthony Davis because then we can have his bird rights, meaning that we can exceed the cap to put him on the team. That is what, that's how you can have all three. 
if they make the trade for Anthony Davis before they sign KD or Kyrie, that he becomes part of the cat space that we have already. So instead of having potentially $73 million, it gets shot down to, I believe, maybe around 40 or so million dollars. Basically, you only have money for one uh, max guy if you do that. So the Lance Thomas aspect doesn't really make any sense because you presumably the Knicks won't trade for Anthony Davis until they get both of the stars. And the idea of waving Lance Thomas doesn't come into play because it will come before you can even sign the two stars. So it's a mute point. Um, however, cutting Lance or stretching him, uh, it does make sense seeing the fact that every single million dollar counts and we can't exceed the cap at this moment. Um, but making a deal with New Orleans will clearly affect the depth of the team. And while most of the money will pretty much be tied up as soon as Anthony Davis comes aboard. Trying to microwave the team into what can be a contender can be tricky. Um, There's a lot of teams with a lot of cap space out. So if this was, excuse me, if this was any other year, well, let's say just like the Knicks or certain other teams just had cash space and, and um, you know, not not everyone else had a lot of money. You can potentially get guys on cheap deals. Like if you look at last year, Julius Randle got $9 million. He was playing like a $15 million player, $20 million player. This year, Julius Randle is getting $20 million from somebody, okay? Whether that be, you know, Dallas, Indiana, a lot of teams has a lot of, a lot of cash space. So the way it was last year, how, you know, like obviously like LeBron, he got his money, but a lot of the other free agents, you know, the second tier free agents took a lot less money. Like a lot of their money's going up. If you look at someone like Brooke Lopez, Ricky Rubio, like I, like I said before, Julius Randle, they're looking to make pay raises. How does it impact the Knicks? So if you get the three guys, you're not going to be able to get guys who quote unquote want to win a championship on the cheap. You get what I'm saying? So while it makes sense to obviously do what they got to do with Anthony Davis, they can't just give up everything they have because they need to have some semblance of a a team. So it'd be like you have to basically pick who you want to give up. Giving up the picks is is a no-brainer at this point. You're going to have to give up the picks, probably put some light protections on probably your own picks, and – you have to just look and see either or who do you want. Either Nilakina or Dennis Smith Jr. Either Kevin Knox or RJ Barrett. Either uh Mitchell Robinson or two first round picks. Or you know, it's it's either or you can't necessarily give up the whole farm because you're going to have to at least need guys on cheap contracts to just fill out a team. You know? Now granted. Kevin Durant is great. Kyrie is great. Anthony Davis is great. Making a new big three will be interesting. I don't know if that team necessarily works all the way together. That's why missing out on Zion did hurt in the fact that he plays already as a super role player in his first year. He's playing that Draymond Green style. I don't know of those three guys who's willing to take the biggest backseat. 
it would make sense that it would be Kyrie. He's already made his money. He's already won his championship. He's kind of established already as what he's going to be historically in the NBA. If he played like a, this is a funny word, true point guard, quote unquote, he can really affect the way the team goes. If he drops his points per game average instead of, I think he averaged 23 this year. If he drops it down to, let's say, 20, maybe 19, 18, and lets Kevin and uh, AD just basically do all the scoring and he's just the main facilitator, I think that can be very beneficial to what the Knicks want to do. Now, there's something that Chris Broussard said before that I've always kind of come back to, I kind of listened to, and it, it really doesn't make sense. Kyrie's going into year eight, I believe, next year, either eight or nine. Yeah, it's either eight or nine. Uh, he has played one style of basketball his entire career. He is a undersized two guard with the ability to pass. That is what he is. And Chris Broussard said it said best a while a long a while ago when I heard him when he said it. He said, "Your game is your game. That is it. Your game is your game. Meaning." What the the way you played your whole life, especially in your professional career, how you've gotten paid is going to be very hard to completely change the way you want to play. Now, heading into your eighth, ninth, tenth year in the league. See. So for Kyrie, it's something that's going to be difficult for him to do. I don't know if he would even want to do that. Um, obviously, you're going to run all this stuff by him, him and Kevin Durant and see if they want it. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's going to come down to him and Fisdale of making sure these guys know how to do this. Now, if there's a coach who's able to put three big time stars together, and get it to work, it would be Fisdale since he was on the staff of Miami. He was able to convince Chris Bosh to change his game, shoot more threes basically become the first stretch five that we had um, in the league and completely revolutionized the league, but no one ever really talks about how his game was like that. So I think Fizz would be able to – I think Fizz has the capability of doing it, but it's going to come down to the players. Who's going to be the guy? I don't believe Anthony Davis is going to be one of the guys because he hasn't won anything. He hasn't. And – Kyrie and KD have the rings. Their their legacy is is set in stone. It's Anthony Davis that will take the blame if the Knicks don't win the championship. And so is Kyrie willing to do the sacrifice necessary to do that? No, we shall see. All right. Take another quick break and uh, talk to you guys real quick about how free agency should shake out. All right, so 
Last thing, just on free agency. Obviously, everyone believes that they know how it's going to play out. The big time names that appear to be coming. The thing about it is, it has to still stay as organic as possible with the team. Now, I'll explain to you what I mean. Yeah, Kyrie can come, KD can come, and Anthony Davis can come. And let's say they win two championships, which, God bless, they will win two championships. I have a homie. He 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 um he lives. In, he doesn't live in Miami, but he's a Miami Heat fan, and he talked to me a couple maybe a couple weeks ago about the that Miami championship, the two that you know LeBron and them won a couple years ago, and he said, "Listen, I love LeBron. LeBron's great. I'm glad that we had LeBron in his prime and was able to win two rings." But he said it just did not compare to when Dwayne Wade won that one against Dallas. And he said because he saw the struggle that it took for Dwayne Wade to become a great player. Now, I've long held the idea that the Knicks have been so bad, it doesn't matter how they get it. They can steal a championship ring. But I do think that having a homegrown kind of player does affect the way a fan base will remember that championship. Like if the Knicks, let's say they win, let's just say they win one and it's just Kyrie, you know, KD, AD, but none of the guys they drafted, let's say they keep Mitch Robinson. Let's say they win whatever, but Mitch kind of, his career just kind of does whatever he leaves. And, you know, he's just a, a regular role player. He's just a Jack. And while we might look at him, Finally, because obviously he won a championship with the Knicks. I don't think that that team will be embraced as much as in the lore of NBA history as some others are. We still talk about that Pistons team that only won two times. A lot of the reason why is because they had homegrown Isaiah Thomas and homegrown uh, Joe Dumars, and they had Dennis Rodman, and they had great coaching at that time and they were able to stay collective but we don't really talk about the other team that won the championship that 2004 Detroit team because none of those guys are drafted I think except for Jace uh I think only um Rip Hamilton and Tayshaun Prince but Chauncey didn't start there Ben Wallace didn't start there Rasheed Wallace didn't start there Larry Brown didn't start there like that wasn't where I guess the main core of those guys cut their teeth. And you you can argue that, you know, maybe it was within the they were kind of blip in the run of Lakers, Spurs, um, dynasties or, you know, championship runs. But we don't talk about that team enough. And part of me believes that it's the fact that they don't carry the same weight because they weren't raised in Detroit. Now, they went through some struggles. I mean, they made the the East Conference Finals six, five straight times. Uh, they went to the finals twice, won it once. They, they were there. They were battle-tested. But I don't think people really look at those guys fondly because they, they the struggle at the beginning wasn't there. Um, and so for this team – 
yes, winning a championship is great. We all want to win a championship. But the supplementary pieces on this team who might be left over if there's an AD trade will matter. And I don't know if they'll be able to keep Robinson. I don't know if they'll be able to keep Knox. But it would be great if one of those two guys is able to stay and able to keep the legacy going of what this summer could potentially be. So, yeah. Thank you guys again for listening to the Daily Knicks podcast. I'm your guy, Just. I do this podcast once a week. Um, follow me on Twitter. It's just incred 92 um, And, yeah, for any other Knicks updates, make sure you follow the Daily Knicks website, all that good stuff. So, for me, to you, we're out. Later. <laughs>